mobile.io. It's Gone Mobile. Welcome back to Gone Mobile. Being, this episode's being recorded on September 25th, 2014. So it's no secret that iOS 8 recently dropped and brought with it all sorts of new APIs and, and things for us developers to play with. Uh, and so to help us dig into these updates, we're happy to welcome back Mike Bluestein, a developer evangelist over at Xamarin, Xamarin who you might remember from uh, just over a year ago when episode two of Gone Mobile came out, way back on episode two, and we were talking about the, the release of iOS 7. So thanks for coming back on the show, Mike. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, and uh, like we were we were just talking uh, right before we hit the record button of there, there's so much stuff in iOS 8 that it's tough to really know where to begin. Um, so I mean, like, so why don't we just I'll just kick it over to you to to start things off. I mean, what is wh- what would you consider to be kind of one of the the bigger landmark features of iOS 8? Gosh, yeah, like it, like you said, there's so there's so much. Um, I think the bigger theme, even if before you dig into one feature. It's just that they've made the thing a lot more extensible um, overall. I mean, they're nowhere near, you know, like to the openness of, say, Android, you know, where that's like been kind of the design of the thing from the first day. Um, and, and that's good in a lot of ways, right? Some ways not so much, but um, with iOS, it's always been very sandboxed, and it still is. But now they, they've added things where you can now do more to have that, that you're, you're still sandboxed to an app. Um, you know, within an application sandbox, but you can do more things with, you, you can interject functionality throughout the system in ways you couldn't before. So it's, it's um, I don't want to say extensible, but you can kind of break, you, from a user's perspective, you're outside of your app and they can interact with functionality that you deliver when they're not, act, they're not, they're not perceiving themselves to be running your app, like, you know, launching it by tapping the icon. And, and, you know, as you go into that, okay, then what are the features that kind of, like, make that statement true? I think the, maybe the biggest ones is now they have these things called extensions is kind of a higher topic, but there's a whole bunch of different ones um, from, from the, they now have widgets that you could have, they, they get presented in um, another tab within the notification screen, not the notifications, but in the slide down notification area, there's another area for widgets, which Apple has already had. They already had it for their own things, like the weather and stocks and so on, calendar. Um, now you, developers, third-party developers, can add their own functionality to their, and, and they're called um, today widgets, but they, they fall under this extension category. You still have to deliver a container application to, 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 to ship it. You can't just deliver a widget. So the app delivers a widget with it, and it gets, so it's like some added functionality. A lot like what, what you see in most of people you know, on the Android side. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what folks do with that. And then do they, they have um, any, like, do we know any of the review guidelines on some of those new things, like having an app container? Are they going to be really stingy on, like, oh, your app actually must do something useful and not just deliver a widget? Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll be sure to ask Tim Cook next time he calls me for advice. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, yeah, I'll be snarky. Um, it's funny, so I just posted a, um, I wrote a Today, a today Widget, right, little little one, um, um to, to count down the number of days to our conference, Evolve, did a little blog post, n- nothing fancy. Um, and then just today, over my lunchtime, I just took a little bit of time and I, I was playing around with what you could do in the Today widget. And Today widget is just, and that's one of the extensions, there's all different kinds of extensions, but it's, it's just a UI view controller with some, with some requirements around how it could get laid out. It's a little bit limited in that because it has to go on this Today screen. So it's a little different, but for the, basically it's a Today, con- it's a um, UI view controller. So I added core animation to it. I just wasn't even sure. Like, oh, will this even work on it? What, what's going to, you know, is it really just a UI view controller or are they going to start, like, limiting things in it? And it worked. You know, I, I could use core animation, just, like, nothing nothing, nothing other than normal core animation. Other than, you know, you have to deal with a little bit of differences in how the frame gets actually come, the notification screen actually hands you the frame. But so the, do you have, like, some specified t- uh, time that you get to run code in, in yeah, uh, today, would you like that? I, I, don't, I don't know, John. I, I, it, it, I could... There's, it didn't look like from a from a technical standpoint that I did. I mean, I'm sure maybe there is in the docs, and I, I didn't see it. I, I dunked through all the Apple docs. It's possible. Now, what, so to get to your question, would, would Apple accept that? Somebody reason I brought it up, somebody had asked me, uh, um, Adam Partridge, it was, asked me on Twitter when I posted that, oh, will Apple accept this? And my response was, I, I don't see why not. It's just a, it's not like I'm using a private API, unless there is something specific in the docs that says do it this way. In which case, why didn't they limit the, you know, why'd they make it, work even, right? 
Um, so I, I'm, I'm pretty, you know, we'll see, you know. Now, as far as like whether it, on the other side of it, what you were asking, whether it was useful, you know, what, what's useful. I saw a blog post the other day about a couple of the first two or three today widgets that, that have been shipped. I won't even name the companies, not to point fingers, because it's cool they even have them. But it looks like some pretty trivial things, even more trivial than my countdown thing. I'm like, that actually looks like, you know, like, like, like the space shuttle <laughs> compared, to what, compared to a couple of the things that are out, which is not, not, a, not, not, not even a grandiose thing. It's just because they're trying to, like, you know, people are just dipping their toes or maybe the, Apple just wanted them to use it. Or some of the bigger players, bigger player, you know, bigger, well-known apps had them. So there's a couple of really trivial things, but, um, and those are there. Now, whether, like, you know, the, the indie developer on the street can, can submit that and get it through, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. My feeling is, though, that it's going to be... Um, it's going to be um, um, not as stringent as maybe you might think with that question, but, you know, who knows? We'll see. You know, it might be interesting to, like, you know, try, try to submit some ourselves and see what happens, see what they let through. Certainly cool, though, because now you can – I'm not in the app, right? I can get this functionality delivered through this other thing. And then you can use, like, no, normal mechanisms to kind of, like, then launch you into the app, you know, with registering, like, a, a URL scheme and then normal business there. Um, so that's, it's kind of cool. Um, and yeah, it was like with the animation, I, I thought that was a cool thing because you could do like a news ticker, maybe, you know, think of the kind of things you do in this thing, like, like slap, you know, it's like a crazy example where I just animated an image, but you know, you might want to, you know, it's for like, um, quick information, you know, just like, like it's intended on Android even. So like at a glance stuff. So like something like a news ticker or, you know, something to see prices changing on a little graph in a stock chart, maybe you could do that. And then there's, there's other extensibility points to other extensions if you want to talk about them. Yeah, and I'm kind of sticking with the the notification center um, aspect of it. That was actually one area that um, even just as a user, you know, forget being a developer for a second. As a user, some of the extensions they've added to notification center make things much nicer. Um, you know, different notif as notifications come in, you can have attached different actions to them, so yeah. you can re reply to text messages right in line and things like that. Um, how, as a developer, how can you take advantage of that? Like, what can you do with that? Yeah, so I mean, you, you, you just, that's, that's, that's a great one. So that's not even, you know, now that's, so we're talking, before we were talking about today widgets, which happen to come in this same screen as where notifications live and that pull down just in a different tab. Um, what you're talking about is you actually get the actual notifications, which can come in through the little uh, thing that slides in off the top, or you can see it on the lock screen, or you can see them in the notification area on the on the notification screen that you can pull down from the top at any time. Um, you can now attach custom actions onto those notifications, and then have a button automatically or buttons automatically show up. And then you could basically what, what you're effectively doing is you're registering a type or an identifier really for what your action is. Um, then the, and the buttons get automatically added to the action. So I get a notification. User can say on the lock screen, swipe it. They get a couple buttons or end buttons, right? And they um, when they when they tap it, they could get either something could happen in the background, or you can get launched into the application. Comes into the app delegate, and the inf the identifier effectively gets passed through, which you can then say, okay, I know what notifi the notification because I'm the one that sent it. It's my app. It came through to me. I got the identifier, and then I could write custom code. So it's pretty, you know, pretty light in that, you know, not a lot of API in the way of it. And then you just kind of one call through, one kind of point of entry into your code, and you can really do anything you want. And then there's, there's, there's the ones that can go in the foreground, which would actually launch your app. Um, and then there's background, um, you know, there's things that can just do stuff um, without launching into the application. Those have a time limit. I don't, I don't know what it is. I think it's, it's sec, you know, it's in the orders of seconds, ten seconds or something. <laughs> as you imagine, right. that, 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 as it should be, right? But yeah, that's that's awesome, great. I mean, that's really cool. Because now you can, you know, if you're like if I'm, if you're, on, I know you do Android. I mean, if you're in the Android, both of you guys, right? <laughs> and you're Android, yeah, yeah, cool. We've had that, yeah. Obviously, right? It's a different. They came at it from a whole different design philosophy of like being extensible and open. Right. Whereas Apple's like you know very sandbox environment, and there's a lot of goodness that comes to that. But now they're like they're slowly creeping these things in. In some ways, I think they needed to to kind of get on par with just like boy, we need to have like this kind of base kind of. From for the user's perspective, they needed, like you're saying, they need to be able to do things. It's like where the Android applications could do things that you, know, you, you just didn't see on iOS, except from Apple. So now, like third-party applications can do that, and I think there's like a lot, there's a wealth of things you can do with just those couple things we've even talked about, and we haven't even got into all the other kind of extension things you can do with a. Uh, there's photo extensions, sharing extensions now. You know, before you had the, first, there was, first there was no sharing, and then Apple introduced Twitter, and then they introduced Twitter, Facebook, and. Um, I know I'm, I'm ignorant. The, the 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 social media, the social network from China, Sina Weibo, probably butchering the pronunciation. Yeah, so they, something like they, that. They introduced it, which is a big one, I guess. But but you know, it's it's in it's in China, 
Um, and, and now, but those were the three, but that was because Apple was shipping it. You couldn't, as a, a third-party developer, introduce um, your own sharing extension. Now you can do that, though. So you could participate if you have your own services or you want to hook your app up to something. Um, photo, um, if, if you have like, uh, a scenario where you have some kind of photo editing experience in your app, you can deliver that functionality as a photo editing extension. So someone can open up from their application your functionality to do something with a photo. And then they don't, and the cool thing is from a user's perspective, it's awesome for the users. Now they don't have to leave the app. Again, so it's like Android could do all of these things because it's just like designed for anything, right? But now there's like kind of discrete things you could do, but there's kind of the, the important ones like sharing files, files. Um, that was another one now you have where you can, I can have like other applications that can interact with files without having to leave my app. That's the big story. I don't have to leave the app to, to go do things. And that's so what you just do. Have you dug into how that actually works? Like, does that just fire up a view controller that you specify in your info P list or something like that? Yeah, wh that, which one? Which one? Uh, so, like, let's say sharing a, a photo editing capabilities. Let's say I want to expose uh, the option to use my really cool photo editor in my app to other apps. Yeah, it's it's, it's like I haven't done a photo. I haven't done a um, photo one myself, so I can't talk with. I, I I read an article about that one, so I can't talk with like super expertise on that but i know it looks like what it does is it's the same kind of this the spirit of the whole design is all the extensions are a view controller that you deliver and then there's something you put in the info p list and there's some you know it's from apple it's documented what you, there's a key you have to put in there to tell to, to basically register what you're doing um user gets to opt in you know user gets control in all these cases right um even the today extension they get you know it doesn't just get added user has to add it so user has to allow things um and then you know after they've allowed things though um even the extensions I have, they all look like the basic design is just view controller. Now, you know, they, I can't talk about them all, though, because I haven't, haven't done them all. The biggest one I've worked with is the Today, and I, I, I kicked around the sharing one a little bit. Um, so I think a, a natural segue from those app extensions would actually be to start talking about custom keyboards, because that's a really big thing for iPhone users now, or at least it's a big thing in the news. Uh, have, you done, have you looked at that at all? Um, not programming-wise, as a user. Um, I know that, I don't even know if I should say it, I know we have one customer, I won't even say it because I'm not sure if it's announced, but I know we have one <laughs> customer that, that, that rolled one already, I'm sure you'll hear about that, um, <laughs> and you know, I, 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 uh, the, you know, the swipe one, I've been using that myself, I think that's awesome, right, I mean, that, that's really cool, um, looks like there's some kind of trivia ones that sort of got up in the app store, because savvy people took it, is one, I won't even say, but, but there's like, looks like some simpler ones, um, and God bless them, right? I mean, that's really smart, right? <laughs> to take advantage of like, hey, I'm going to jump right on this and, you know, people are going to want some kind of cool thing, even if it's not technologically fancy. It, it, I don't know how to do it, though. I haven't done one. I haven't done one myself. That one, I'm not sure. I don't know if it's even view control. I, I don't know what you do with that. I have to, I'd have to look at it. We actually, honestly, we, cause, and the reason was be, we, we were get at, these things were, they were rolling in as um, through the beta period. It's just such a big um, API. You know, we've been shipping things throughout the beta period all summer, and some things were there, some things weren't. Extensions kind of rolled in later here and there. One of the they actually one of the area reasons was they they require you to include sixty four bit support. Hmm. Um, you, you know, you can you can still ship just to be clear, you can still ship it to thirty two bit, which wasn't even clear till like recent weeks, right? As a requirement, not technically, but um, you can still ship it, but you have to include. 64 bits, so that gets you into our unified API, and that wasn't all yet. So there's a lot of moving parts here on these things. Um, so that was one reason I didn't get in. I'm, I'm real interested in the keyboards. I haven't kicked it around yet. Certainly, um, we're supporting it, though. I just haven't done it myself, and I know a customer has, though. I don't think it's not released yet, though. So you kind of mentioned it in passing there, and without wanting to get too off topic on the iOS 8 specifically, you mentioned the the unified API, which is you know has been rolling out recently, and there've been a bunch of blog posts from you guys on that. I mean, can you just give a kind of a quick intro to to what that is and and what it means for Xamarin developers? Sure. So um, last year, when Apple released the iPhone 5S, they released the 64-bit architecture. Um, on a mobile phone, right? Obviously, we had these things on the desktop. So Monitor didn't have that yet. That took, I think, some people by surprise that it came out um, <laughs> on the phone. I, I mean, there's a lot of, on the desktop, I can think of a lot of good reasons. Like, with, with graphics and loading big models, big 3D files or things like that, I can see the address space being important. In any event, Apple did it. And I think it's really cool that they did that. And um, But we didn't have support for it. But Apple didn't require it. You can still do 32-bit on 32 on 64, right? So um, 
That's what people have been doing. Customers can still do. Now, um, though, with this year, now Apple's starting to introduce things like newer APIs like extensions, where they're requiring 64-bit to be supported. Again, they want a backward support to like iPhone 5 and you know, 4S still. So it's like those aren't 64-bit architecture. So you can include 32-bit, but now you can also include um, 64. So we support that now with the unified API. But there's a lot of, if you Miguel actually put a blog post up today, people go to our blog, you can see the, um, he, he outlines a few areas where we're, ca we're now catching sort of the biggest, in the biggest way, our tooling, for lack of a better generalization, <laughs> up to things on 64-bit. Um, that's kind of the big area. So there's like, I'm not even going to detail, but there's, he, he's got it on the blog. There's a few things that won't work with it tooling-wise. API-wise, I think we're basically good, but then like John works in components. There's like components, there's all these components and those are all built for 32. <laughs> so there's a lot of work to do. You know, things will progress and move forward, you know, but. Yeah, and it's, it's even like third-party libraries and stuff too, like even stuff we have components that are bindings for. I mean, sure. stuff that's just written in Objective-C, those guys have to start rebuilding same, their stuff for 64 too. Same story, you know, there, it's not a, it's not a C sharp thing, or it, it's exactly exactly true, right? Which is why Apple doesn't just like drop the drop the hammer and say everyone's <laughs> going to be yeah that'd be yeah. that'd be insane. That that's going to happen, right? And I don't know yet next year. Yeah, we'll see. It's, it's eventually it has to happen. That's good. I mean, it has to, right? I mean, but you know, people have to have time to do things and have warning. I'd hope. But um, we're moving forward really well now. So that's the, the the big part of the unified API. And along with that, we have, of course we have our Mac product and we have iOS. Right, so now there was like little programming things that were like there was inconsistent or differences that get unified. So now you have like a unified namespaces, and there's some type. There's code changes you have to make for these things too. There's like some different types on like you know, um, uh, print, you know, value types, integers, and floats, and things like that. And I think to be fair too, Apple's done a lot more of their own unifying of the APIs between you know the desktop and the mobile. Like just looking through the the header files for some of the source uh, for some of the Xcode uh, release and. Uh, just looking at the two different platforms, like it's amazing that they're starting to bring a lot more stuff into sort of like a core that's shared between the two platforms. Yeah, I mean, so that's that's absolutely true. I mean, they, they, they can do it first though because they're the ones that are you know, delivering the platform, <laughs> and we're all, you know, we're running after it a lot of the time. But I think guys, it's, it's so far, it's pretty promising. I mean, Miguel Miguel recommended today in his blog if you don't need a 64-bit thing to still stay away from the unified API just because we we deliver a richer tooling, you know, what we've always delivered. And that's probably, you know, fair enough guidance. But, you know, if, if it depends on how you work. Like, if I was doing apps, you know, I, I, I always was one to never use designers anyway, even though I think I can see the benefit and they're cool. I just, my mind always does things in code. So if mm. you're that kind of guy, that kind of person, you know, it's like, you, you go, go for the 60 where you're starting from a new code base and, and you just like doing everything in code. I'd probably just do it all that way. But it depends on the person and what you got, you know, what kind of shop you have and what way you like to go about your business. And I would say, too, just as, as going through a bunch of components and sort of getting them ready, like getting samples for components ready that are using the unified API and using the classic API, um, it's really not that difficult of a changeover either. Not at like all. It, it, yeah, it's it's minimal code. And actually, you know, if you if you kind of want to juggle between the two uh, areas, you can actually do some neat little if-def tricks to help yourself out in your, your code files. So it's it's really not a big code change from a C-sharp perspective. Oh, yeah. No, it's, 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 it should be pretty straightforward. I mean, I could see there could be some work if you have a large code base, but it's not like it's complex work, but, you know, people would have to, you know, audit their code and write, write additional tests on it. I mean, there's work there for the big code base. I'm sure Greg will have a bunch of work. <laughs> you know, yeah, thank, you, thanks, guys. Yeah, you have, I mean, like, you know, eventually this has to... Yeah, but if you're Objective-C, you'd be the same kind of stuff. I think yeah. to some extent, you know, I mean, you still get all the benefits of the language. But, um, and then there's other, you know, there's niceties in the API too, like like things like, like the guys took the opportunity to do some things in the parts of the language, parts of, I guess, bindings, like like where we where we hook, you know, common thing people use like the, the geometry class to talk, to, to create frames. It's a CG wrapped in Objective-C or C underneath, it's a structure and, we did it through a system.darring types. Originally, the idea way back at Monotouch was like, oh, that'll be familiar to people coming from C-sharp. But it's <laughs> not system.drawing, right? It's just to, just to give you a bloody rectangle and a point. <laughs> right? So it's like, now that they go, oh, that was probably better if we just do it like, you know, call it closer to what Apple's calling it. So they, they, they did some, they shaped the API a little different. I think over time they learn things and like, you know, that's what you do. So I, I think it's a, people end up with like a little nicer code too. Not, not dramatic. Bigger thing is, is that you are getting 64. The, the, the namespaces are 
a little different. But the bigger thing is you're getting 64-bit support. That's the that's the key to the thing. And you know, the tooling will catch up. We'll 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 get it caught up. We just got, you know, we, we didn't even we weren't even you know when the iOS eight came out, you know, it was still like, are we gonna are there gonna be things that require 64-bit? to be included to go in the store. And yeah, there are now, right? And that's just going to keep continuing. If not, I don't see it going across the board. They get a lot of code too, right? It's not like Apple's, you know, has a magic wand or their own things. Plus now with another language they got coming. A lot of moving parts from from all these companies, but including ours. So. Right. So to, to pull us back onto the, the iOS, uh, iOS 8 train there, um, but kind of sticking with, um, you, you started going down the, the path that I wanted to talk about next, actually, which is um, some of the, the UI changes um, that are the, introduced in iOS 8 for developers. So, I mean, now there's the, the iPhone 6, which is a larger screen. There's the 6 Plus, which is um, basically a tablet. Uh, so I mean, no longer as iOS developers are we, you know, kind of safe with our, you know, two or three different screen sizes that we're used to. Um, and now there's, you know, Apple came along and introduced unified storyboards and split view controllers are available on iPhones now. So um, can you kind of like dig into to what some of the new things that developers should be looking for on on iOS eight as far as layout goes? Sure. First of all, welcome to the fragmentation world, iOS developers. Yeah. <laughs> so, Feel our pain. So so it hurts. So, you know, it's becoming a lot more like Android and more, a little more extensible. It's becoming a little more like Android. <laughs> you know, it's not so easy to deal with, right? I mean, um, so you got, you know, different sizes. I mean, they introduced this thing called auto layout now for some time. People should learn how to use that. That's going to that's gonna get you a long way, even though whether you like the way they did it or not, that's a whole... That's a whole hour. <laughs> you know what I mean? uh, it's like, more than an hour. Yeah, more but than it, an hour. But it's it's, it, it's, it's got it's, it. Once you kind of get the, oh, somebody said it something like you know once you kind of like somebody said some kind of like this really like eclectic statement. I can't even remember what it was. It might have been Larry <laughs> O'Brien. <laughs> but but it was like a really cool. I can't even remember what it was. But it's like the idea is like once you get out, once it kind of clicks how auto layouts kind of how you work with it, it just really clicks. Um, right, and it, for Xamarin developers too, there there are some. I, I auto layout drives me crazy, but there are, there are a couple of really good libraries that you can use, like little mini frameworks. I know Frank, Frank Kruger, Kruger has yeah. like a really nice one, um, and Stuart Lodge has another really nice one too. Yeah. So if so if you're a developer that's you know being driven crazy or don't really understand um, auto layout and their their symbols and all that kind of stuff, you know definitely check out some of these other little libraries that make working with it much much nicer. Sure, in particular Frank's one. I mean, I haven't done much with Stuart's one. Frank's DSL, that thing he's got there is pretty sweet. He did that right away, like he does. Um, so that's awesome. That's worth checking out. But you know, I'll be on auto layout, so you want to understand that. But it's not just auto layout. You can still, you know, do things other ways too, from manually with like they have these things called uh, like you mentioned unified storyboards. So there's like a storyboard to hit, you know, one storyboard to rule them all, so to speak. And there's other things called size classes. They have. I won't even go into it all. But you know the, the idea is like they try. Apple was trying to give like a, a design designer story for how to address all these different kind of screens and sizes. They're, 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 that's their shot at it. I think the hardest thing it looks like to me, just my two cents on it, is is working with resources. I think resources. I'm actually trying to put a few, uh, maybe put a blog post together of how to deal with different screen sizes. You know, I know that there's a there's a great app called Paint Code. Um, they actually have an app that generates code. That uses core graphics to draw everything, so it ends up being resilient to different, you know, as you move between different sizes. Just do it in code, almost like 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 the way maybe Flash and things like that work. But Pinkle wrote a great; those guys wrote a great blog post. Um, it, it actually works with a uh, Monotouch, no, Xamarin, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> but it works with um, our stuff too, so they can output code. That's worth checking out. That would actually be a way to get around. You know, that would be an approach I think uh, if people want to. You know, look down to that tool. I think that's a that's a, a really um, tool worth having, whether you're a, whether you're doing it whether uh, on on Xamarin or not. If you're an iOS developer, that and then but if you're not, you know, then there's like there's now you have to deal with like you know additional sizes, different screen sizes, additional resolutions, which ones get loaded. You know, it's just a it's not just a programming problem. It's like does the thing look better? Does the thing look the way you want it when it gets to a certain size, or should you actually change the UI? I know that like you mentioned. Um, you know, so that's good. That's going to be interesting with 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 thing with with uh, images, right, and resources like that, and and what's the best way to do things. I don't even know it's a programming problem. It might be a little bit of a design problem, and 
more. It seems like that could be a real laborious, a real laborious task in larger apps that try to move to bigger screens. Um, beyond that, though, there's also these like other things. Like you mentioned, you mentioned that they moved the split view controller, right? Which they did. I think that's cool. But do you, how do you want the split view controller to behave? You'd look at like I think the CNN app, if I'm not mistaken. I don't. I'm still waiting for my new iPhone to come in the mail. Hmm. I got the big one, right? This is what I do. <laughs> but but the, I, if, if I remember from the Apple, sh the, their um, you know their announcement show they put on there, what it was a week ago or so. The um, if if I recall correctly, the CNN app had showed off that I think it was it looked like the UI split view controller on the iPhone, and it had the master detail view. But then as they get down to the smaller size one, which is still bigger, but they take out the the master view, right? They they navigated it away and just do it with the slide in. So it's like, what's the right way to, you know, they don't have to do it there. You could, you could actually split it on the iPhone, even though down to the even smaller iPhone 5 size now. Funny that that's now called smaller, but um, <laughs> you know, that might not work there because it's taking too much real estate off the master view. So it's like, you got to kind of determine what you want to do. So, but they, they've done other things, you know, even in APIs to try to like address, you know, making controls flexible and, you know, universal, so to speak, universal store or unified storyboards. They're the, the kind of the design story, universal storyboards are called, right? Um, uh, I think so. Yeah. So, I mean, back when, when Retina first came out, Apple introduced the, you know, the at 2X convention. And then yeah, when the, the tall yeah. iPhones came out, there was the, the Dash 568H for the splash images. Um, with these new sizes and resolutions, are there any new conventions that yeah, we need to know? There's new, there's new convention, I mean, off the top of my head, but, but there, there's new conventions for the larger sizes. There's new convention for even bigger sizes to go to the bigger screens. That post I mentioned, I, I'll, I'll get it if you haven't seen, if you guys haven't seen it already, that, that, um, that paint code, those guys, they, they went into it really well, um, but you know, it was all, all kind of new because it really just it just landed. It was it, it wasn't even you know stuff that was going through the whole summer with iOS beta. A lot of this, not not the not the unified you know not the storyboards and all that was there, but the, um, and not auto layout of course, but the business of the new sizes and new conventions. That's all just landed recently with the new iPhone sizes, right? So um, I don't even know off the top of my head, but it's just more convention. You look it up in the docs and all. Again, I'm trying to put. I'm, I, I'm cooking a little blog post to this and a bunch of other things, just to, to talk about all the little things about moving from kind of moving from you know previous not just sizes, but moving existing apps forward. Little things, not big design, but little things like this. How do I move? You know, what do I got to do to my resources? What new APIs are available? Like the split view controller. What do I have to do to like you know work with um. um um, um, designers, you know, should I, should I work with what I've already had? Should I go to code only? Any little API things? There's been some things floating around about, my colleague James had a thing about some, a little thing you got to do in core location now, which I didn't even know until I read his post and I've done a lot with <laughs> core location. It's just so big. You know, now you have to request it and then there's a couple new info P list things you have to put in. Um, nothing big. But, you know, you could beat your head on the, on the table for a few hours if you didn't know it already, right? I mean, like, what am I doing wrong? Of course, it's pretty good. People, other people run into it and people stack overflow in the forums. But, you know, so it's like, and there's been, it has been kind of post of all these little things floated around. So I'm trying to put something together. Um, hopefully I'll have it out not too far future that just kind of goes through a lot of little things. And I'm, you know, I'm kind of picking them up too as I, as I go. And so hopefully that'll help. And it does show you the importance of, or, well, the usefulness of a tool like Paint Code, like you mentioned, or having just vector versions of the graphics for your app, because now, you know. How many designers are scrambling now to, and they're like, oh, we would never have anything bigger than the Retina, you know, at 2x graphics. Exactly, and you I can't know. resize up. So. I know. I know. It's like, how do you, it's like you make assumptions like that. They almost seem like, a, you know, if you would have heard that, like, some time back, you would have thought, that's probably a pretty reasonable assumption for foreseeable future. <laughs> yeah. Also, oh, well. I, I thought it was a reasonable assumption to not see 64-bit on mobile, but what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> you know for, for a while, anyway. But, you know, world moves. But, yeah, I think it's cool. People will adapt. I mean, Apple's, you know, it, it's kind of the same, you know, as far as for how you'd work with things, though, it's like technology-wise from the programmer side of it. It's more convention. Things work with the same way. They introduce asset catalogs. You still have those. It's not... It doesn't look from, from a programming perspective. It doesn't look like the tasks are too hard. It's like more like what do you do, right? Um, you know, that, that makes any sense. Right. And when iOS seven came out, um, you know, the, they went to the the whole flat design thing, and then they had a whole lot of translucency and the the blur effect going on in a lot of their apps. 
Um, but they actually made it pretty difficult for developers to kind of re-implement that themselves. But it seems like this time around, they've introduced, you know, actual first class APIs for doing that. Yeah, that's awesome. They, they, um, it's a real, it, what, Craig's talk, it, what you're talking about, it's, if anyone's listening here, um, it, there's the effect that you would see if you go to um, a folder on iOS 7 even, right? Where you zoom up in the folder and it has this nice blurred background. Everything beneath it is like looking through glass. But it's dynamic, right? So it's like whatever is underneath. Same as if you would slide out to the to the other screens and um, so that you know slide outs and things. So so that was cool and it was dynamic and it performed really well. And there's ways to do that, but they're not necessarily easy. But there's other third party libraries, things that use OpenGL and whatnot. Um, again, not not so easy to do though. Um, it, it, and they didn't provide an API, so now they have a blur. They're actually called Visual Effects. I wrote a blog post on it. Over the summer, we got a sample up in our docs that was based on that. I updated it. It's in our documentation too, and it's really super trivial to do from a from a user from the you know the the developer's perspective, the app developer. It's really just a view, and you set an effect, and um, Shazam, you have a you have your blur, and then it, you the other important part that they added other than blur is vi- they call it vibrancy. But you know, you you not just a blur. You want to have some maybe some text over that blur, which could be legible on a certain background. But if it changes the color to something else underneath, it might not be legible. So this thing kind of keeps your text legible, and it's just mm-hmm. a few lines of code. It's real easy, and it performs really well. Apple's guidance was though to not use it if you don't have a dynamic blur situation. If you have like a stat, because what do they do? They have to go to off screen underneath and render something and come back. So there's performance implications there. I don't know what it would do to the battery. It's got to be something. Um, but it seems fast for me, you know, my usage of the thing, just visual, you know, as an end user using it and, you know, what, what I could even code. Um, but it's real simple to do. Um, and, but the guidance I was getting on, if you have a, a situation where it's like, I want to blur something, but I'm, it's not going to be moving around underneath, I know what's underneath, you know, you, use a, you, you go low tech and do it in a static way, right? Um, but if you do have this, it's like really easy to use. Check out our blog and our docs. We got a, you'll see it's like it's trivial. It's awesome. It performs really well. And it's a really, it's a, from an end user standpoint, you feel like, oh, wow, my app, this app really is part of the system. It's almost like how app, Apple built it, right? And um, um, it's a, it's a, a users perceive these kind of things as a fancy effect, right? It's, uh, it's just it's a little polished. And if you, you use it well, I know he's talking about Frank Krueger, who does a lot of amazing things. He wrote a podcast app recently. He does a lot of great apps. He has a blur effect in his podcast app, but his is already out. So clearly he rolled it himself, but he's Frank. You know? <laughs> but but, but you, could, you could do it already, but now anyone can do it. The bar is like dropped. And it's so easy, and it's awesome. So you use those APIs. Uh, one of the other things that, that I wanted to talk about that's interesting is um, it seems like as they're they're revving Mac OS X at the the same time that they're revving iOS, you know, they introduced this uh, handoff feature that actually is is pretty compelling. So you can um, you can actually hand thing hand tasks off from either your computer to your phone or your phone to your computer. Um, have you worked with that at all? I have. Um, it, you have to. It's Yosemite. Um, again, you, you can check out our docs. We've got a we've got some examples and some some documentation explaining how to do it, but it, it's it you know there's some set it's more setup than code from a programmer's perspective is like configuring um, that it's allowed, but it's really from a, from what it is though, just for anyone's not familiar, if, if there was a movie with um what was the movie with Tom Cruise, the one where we could see in the future, the there's that movie. Um, Oh, come on, guys. What's the movie? What's the movie? There was a movie Tom Cruise could see in the future, and he was like a cop, and he would solve crimes in the future. And I'm forgetting. Someone's going to scream it out in the notes. Minority Report. Minority Report. report. Thank you. Thank you. My God. Google is my friend. My God. I can't even. Oh, yeah, Google. I have a computer in front of me. So anyway, there was a scene in there where he's kind of moving things off the screen and flipping things from like this kind of wild display onto a device and... The idea is you kind of you pick up from like one system, your desktop, and you have the same app or a version of that app running on another system, your phone, your tablet, and you just kind of kind of seamlessly move state, you know, where you are in the app, the game, whatever it be, between these things. That's what the end dot. That that's the the idea there, and it's like so, so sort of kind of making this like unified experience between all your devices. Pretty awesome. Um, people are gonna have to adopt and do some work. Uh, We'll see. We'll see. I mean, we'll see how what kind of adoption it gets and how things work when when they get beyond little examples and all. But people, you can check it out again. It's in our. Um, yeah, I think we published the documentation. If not, look out. I, I, I mean, what I what's in my mind of what's out there and what's actually in our website. 
Um, but I, I believe we published a, the documentation on how to work with that. Yeah, we did actually. I'm looking at it. Yeah, and we'll put a link to that yeah. in the show notes. So it's, sure. it's really cool, really cool feature. And um, you know, Yosemite is going to get a big uptick. You know, people up, people in the Apple world upgrade everything really quickly. You know, I know so it's, it's very nice. It's really great, right? It's great from a, that's one thing that's you know it's awesome in programmers. You know, obviously Android. Android's kind of gotten. I mean, we're not going to talk about Android today, but it's really started now. I, I, I saw recently. It's now it's looking pretty good. You know, you're 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 in the four X world. You know, four dot whatever. Yeah. You know, mostly jelly bean are above now, right? I think there's some yeah, ice cream sandwich. Gingerbreads are still pretty big dent, but they're, for the most they're part, there, I think, but, it, uh, but it's heavy. It's not like practically speaking. Yeah, yeah. You, you definitely you're definitely two three or above. But like, if you can get to like where they started from ice cream sandwich and forward, that's where it kind of got yeah. cool. But anyways, we're not going to go onto an Android. Like, <laughs> shame on me. <laughs> Slap my hand. Hey everyone, this episode is brought to you by Raygun. Raygun is an essential tool for every developer, helping you detect and diagnose your errors in real time so your team can fix bugs faster. Just a few lines of code is all it takes to get started, and you'll be amazed how quickly you start receiving reports from all of your apps. Why wait for frustrated users to notify you when they hit a bug, and then spend your time digging through log files? Raygun notifies you immediately and with all the information you need. Raygun keeps everyone informed, so whether you have 1 or 100 developers, you'll get everything you need to become an awesome development team. Start your free trial today at raygun.io, and make sure to thank them for sponsoring Gone Mobile. Changing gears a little bit, another big thing that Apple released was obviously Apple Pay, and that integrates uh, and, and is related to Touch ID. Um, and I think now there's some APIs that we can actually use Touch ID. Have you dug into those at, it, not, at all? Not personally, but one, um, one of the folks on our documentation team did. And again, I love saying that we got a doc for that. <laughs> we do, right? So we've got a doc. And do, it's, it, the, the thing that you can do with Touch ID is auth. You can, do, you can authenticate. So apps can authenticate using Touch ID. I haven't done anything with it. Um, I'm looking forward to it. But um, there's a document and a sample in, in our stuff that you can do that. And, and the Apple Pay, um, they bound that the next day. It's just, these guys are, they bind, you know, you know, it's like Miguel, bind, I, I, I almost think he like binds things in his sleep. You know, it's like he, dream, <laughs> he dreams of bindings and they just kind of appear like, like some kind of, <laughs> it's like, it almost seems that way, you know, but yeah, that, that's just the way they architect it. But they, we had the bindings, um, seriously out right away. So that's pretty cool. Um, Again, I, I, I haven't worked with that or the Touch ID stuff. I know the Touch ID stuff, though, we have a document and a sample. And the idea is you can authenticate, which is cool, right? It's like people don't want to tap, type things in. It's actually more secure, too, as long as it works well. So do you know, like, when, you, when you're using the Touch ID APIs, then what are you getting back from the, the API? I don't know. I, I haven't used it myself. I assume it's not, you know, their, their iTunes user or something like that. But yeah, yeah. You, yeah, I think it's a token that you get back, essentially. Is it? Hmm. Like a one-use token. So is the idea you you, you get this one use, you, this token back? You can use it to do something, and but you can't save that to do anything. Then right, you you go into the app the next time you have to authenticate again, or you basically leave your own you save your own state that this user is authenticated. Yeah, I, I'm not sure exactly the all the logistics around it, other than the you get the one-use token, and obviously you know once you've done something with that, or I'd imagine it expires at some point uh, in the near future from when it's created, and then. You know, you can do something with it, and obviously not ever again. Right. Yeah, I see, I see. But yeah, all I know is, I, I, know, I, I even read the article. I mean, I know that it, there was one an article that came out on our site, so we have it in our docs. That was one of the ones I didn't touch. Boy, you hit it on a lot of things I didn't touch, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, Mike. <laughs> uh, but, but I know from my side, like Apple Pay was one of the things, well, first of all, you, you had to kind of see it coming over the years with them. I mean, Passbook was introduced back in iOS 6. And everyone said, oh, well, you can't really do a whole lot with this, but it, Apple takes a very incremental approach through their releases. And then on iOS 7, you could do a little more with Passbook, and then Touch ID came out, and there was no API there. And now on iOS 8, there's NFC with no API, and then Apple Pay and Touch ID. So it's they definitely have a, a plan in mind. Um, and I know that you know I'm in the e-commerce space, and I was getting emails about do we support Apple Pay before they even finish that keynote. So it's um, uh, it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out in the U.S. where NFC really hasn't taken off. I know. I was surprised to see them not um, deliver their API for that. I didn't quite gather why they wouldn't. Um, but yeah, that was surprising to see. Like if they're going to have it, why not have a why not have an NFC, you know, framework or NFC kit or something that people could use? It's a little strange. 
Well, that'll probably be an iOS 9. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. It's just maybe it wasn't ready or whatever. Security. Who knows? There's like reasons. But yeah, it's like a compelling feature. I can see, yeah, for your stuff, I can, for you guys, I can see where that would be useful. But I mean, people always ask for things early. I know I, I got some people asking me if we, um, if we have support for the, uh, the watch. <laughs> what watch right it's like there's no api out yet but uh, people want support for it already so i mean but people are excited so that's cool um you know not everybody's tracking everything it's just such a you know let's just say I, I was joking about like you know t- touching on things but i spent a good part of the summer like i was saying even earlier going over ios apis as we as we kept gaining support for things not all of the summer but a, a pretty good part of it quite a bit of time and so you can still see there's all, all these different things i haven't even that just kind of came in later, or it's like, oh, someone's doing it in docs. It's, it's just a monster release. I think over 4,000 new, API, new APIs, not even talking about, you know, all the things that they, they changed a lot of things, little things here and there. I mean, there's, they changed how um, alert views, you won't use alert views anymore. Now you did this controller class that does them, and action mm. seats, you don't use those anymore. There's a controller class that does them. Note, you know, note the, the nav bar on, you know, something like everyone's familiar with, um, um, navigation controllers now they've got some nice support for sizing that in for gesturing it on and off the screen um which is great right because now they have the full screen design they introduced last year they make it real simple you know but li- little things it's just like you, know, you could, i can name a bunch of little things that i touch and then you could probably name a hundred that you haven't it's just a monster <laughs> release so it's like what people do not even to talk about the gaming and graphics apis which are really interesting you know but for people doing business apps maybe maybe not um Sometimes you can think about these graphics APIs and people think, oh, I'm doing a business app. I don't care about it. But you could really differentiate your, your application if you, if you thought about them a little creatively, like for visualizations, as opposed to as like just APIs for games. And you can make a business application that would really stand out. Charts, visualizations of data, just cool effects that like not too much. You know what I mean? Like I do a sample with like a monkey jumping around. You, you wouldn't want that in a, you know, an app for a, you know, a, a stock uh, you know, like a hedge fund or something, <laughs> but you might like something like a, a really highly interactive graph that's customized to, in, you know, to basically like, you know, they maybe they're doing some kind of data analysis on, um, you know, on, on a market or whatever it is, um, numbers, you know, scientific apps, fluid dynamics, flow, things like that. These apps can like do these things. Really, um, the graphics APIs are just getting better. The ones they had and the new ones they're introducing. They're mostly now the newer things. They're like they're, they're position app. They being Apple positioning some of these newer things around last layer in this year around games, which is clearly you know that's like kind of a big that's that's the big you know that's that's the big app market for Apple's perspective, of course, right? But certainly, you know, people should should kind of like think about uh you know, just you know things like SceneKit, for example, a three D graphics API, Scene Graph API that is very easy to use and I think is great and it's positioned and if you go on like Xcode you'll see it the, the it's it comes up under like um, the game section and it certainly is but you could do more than games with that so um, yeah there's really a lot of cool things you could you could just live in scene kit and spend a lot of time been doing that it's pretty awesome sprite kit kind of more for games really in that one um, but you know even that you could do some things so a lot of and, and some you know little enhancements here and there I saw the core animation and core graphics a lot of a lot of interesting things uh, that people can kind of dip into, right? And I'm speaking of their incremental approach too. I mean, I don't know personally. I don't know a whole lot about the all the different kits that are around game programming, graphics programming, too much. Um, but I remember back last year when we were talking to you about iOS seven that you were you were pretty excited about some of the graphics APIs they introduced there and. Um, you were saying that you your prediction, if I remember right, was was that they would start opening these up more and letting you do more with them. So that was that was the first thing I thought of when I saw the announcements for iOS eight. I was like, oh well, Mike called it. Yeah, I am I am a visionary. <laughs> That's right. When people think of me, they say, oh, that guy's a visionary. Yeah, they think a few other names too sometimes, but <laughs> but we'll stick with that we'll one. We'll stick with visionary. And um, no, yeah, but sir, they 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 introduce like you go, look, rattle them off. I mean they. There was Cocos 2D, and Cocos 2D is like wildly popular on the iPhone, and like people want to do cross-platform things. That's why we have Xamarin, right? That's kind of one of the big reasons, anyway, right? Um, not the only reason, but you know, there's um, the, the Cocos 2D people started going to C++, and it's like Apple. Well, they want people to develop for Apple. So, like, how can they have this like not have any kind of game story when it's kind of the 
you know, they kind of the, the best APIs in this great platform, and, and everyone's building games for them, and then they're just building them on kind of core graphics APIs like OpenGL, which is awesome too. Um, so they made SpriteKit, which is like kind of a, inspired by by uh, Coco Studio, lack of a better term, but they, they did a really great job with it. They keep enhancing it. And that's for games. I was excited about that. And I thought to see like more happening. I was expecting scene kit to come. You know, scene kit's a 3D technology to build a scene graphs technology, but it integrates really nicely with iOS. It's pretty awesome. Um, and yeah, yeah, I was expecting to see that and see that kind of be able to use the 2D, you know, gaming technology and call it a graphics technology. It is, but gaming stuff, they merge it together so they can be kind of unified and work together nicely. They did all that. Yeah, they did it. And they even went one step beyond where I thought they'd go. They even made these things be able to work with other APIs on the platform in really nice ways over the last couple of releases now. Things like, you know, work core image, a uh, fantastic API that they've, again, another thing where it's, it's got all kinds of new features that's been added to it on iOS, right? From, I got a blog post about, um, they added a couple more image, a little bit of computer vision stuff where it can detect rectangles and QR codes now. And, um, but they've added a lot more filters and they brought more from the Mac. But now you can use core image filters in with these other, call them gaming technologies, but like scene kit and sprite kit. Pretty, pretty amazing. You know, so it's like I, I, could, I could do imaging inside of something and I could take that code and I could use it in this, this kind of thing that's kind of pre presents 3D geometry and make really cool visual effects or, you know, things that could kind of, those visual effects could have some be attached to data in some way to highlight data sets, you know, in, 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 for vi to visualize. It's like, uh, there's some really cool things you could do. And, you know, as we, we've got our conference coming up and all, and, there's been a lot, and, and with all these releases, all the things we do, um, it's been busy. But, you know, I expect both from our group, and I work in evangelism, people don't know I work in evangelism, and we do talks, and, you know, we do little blogs and come up with little things. As, as we get past you know, the conference and into like the kind of next year as things start building up, I'll see, I expect to, you know, us to be able to roll it out some little more side things and some different ideas I got. And you'll see things start coming out of the community that could use these things. Cause it's, it's kind of obvious, right? I mean, I state it so that people will maybe think about it, you know, cause they'll see Apple talk about scene kit and say it's for games, which it is, but wait, you could use it for visualization. You could do other things with that. Maybe somebody's listening. That's like, Oh, and then runs with it. Right. And then three weeks later, I'm still talking about an idea and someone drops <laughs> something in GitHub that's like like beyond what I was even thinking. I've seen that happen, and that's awesome, right? I hope people do that. So it's like it's pretty exciting. Um, those two things, uh, and again, I won't even go. There, there's some cool, it, just th things that have been around forever now, like core animation. They, they added some some nice um, things to that. Not the least of which is they did some. These, it looks like they did some cool things in performance with it. But in any event, there's some. Um, it was already a really really high performance API. Apple did a really good job from the API perspective and all that they added. We'll see. You know, so it's it's really really um really um quite an undertaking to have a new devices like that in this big of an API release. You can see they had some issues with HealthKit. I don't I don't knock them. You know, what I mean, it's like this is non-trivial stuff. I mean, they get things rectified. Um, I saw they had a problem with the release. That's a little rough. Don't update your iOS eight yet, anybody, to the eight point oh one. But they'll get it. They'll get it ironed out. I mean, you know, it, it, we all deal with you know. They, they do a good job. It's just like, you know, they're high profile. So people, people tend to like, you know, throw rocks at them real quickly, <laughs> you know, but I, I, it's a pretty impressive release overall. And then there's some things to stabilize on, I think their end, even on our end, right. With like the unified API and tooling and all, but I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty upbeat on, you know, how, how, how this whole space is moving. Um, I mean, Android too, we even talked about Android, so we're here for it, but it's a lot of cool things happening in mobile. It's like, we're still really early on in the whole thing, even though people think of it as mature, um, you know, things you had on the desktop years ago, you, you just started to get, but you're getting in new ways that make sense in these other devices. You look at the phone and we'll see how that works out, you know, and the phones that are out now. Oh, excuse me, I, I meant to say watch. Um, <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm soapboxing. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so then, I mean, kind of one last quick point on, on games before we, we kind of leave that one behind. I, they also introduced uh, what they called metal this yeah. time around. Um, like, how does... Like what? What is metal um, from a tech perspective? <laughs> so, so I, I haven't worked with I haven't worked with metal. Um, um, we've actually I, I, that's another one I'm, I'm interested to try. It's it's a lower level. So there's OpenGL, right? People are probably familiar with OpenGL. So OpenGL has like always been kind of the lowest level graphics programming API typically that people be using, you know, to kind of do things on the GPU because it does like linear algebra on the GPU. It, it, it's it's so it's fast, right? Um, 
but it's like it's on old, older APIs and you know kind of started moving forward as you know things got popular on the phones and all. So it's, it's great, but older APIs built on C and you know, there's abstractions for it and it's great. And a lot of things that build on it today, like, like even SceneCat, kind of hard to work with and kind of you know need to be a little bit specialized in your understanding to really. Um, it takes a lot of time, I think, to really gain even like intermediate understanding. My experience get to expertise can be quite overwhelming. Um, so this is like cool that you get these APIs like SceneKit. So now Metal, though, from what I see, I, I haven't worked with it. So it looks, from what I understand, is it's a it's a it's a technology that kind of would sit on the side from OpenGL, and you wouldn't sit on top of OpenGL. It almost seems like it's doing some things like what that would do, but in a different way. And maybe ways of better performance, but I'm really, I'm stretching. That's that's what I know. You guys probably know more than me. So I'm itchy to look at. I'm itchy to try it out. But it's a low. It's another. It's a low level graphics API, and I only know what I saw. I haven't even read read about it, so I won't say too much. But it's a graphics API. It's lower level. It looks like it's targeted to games, and they could do real high performance things, optimized for battery and optimized for the devices, um, and not use OpenGL. I and I think that's 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 kind of the. You know that's the ten thousand foot understanding of it, which is all I can give right now. I mean, I'm I'm ke I'm keen on trying it out. Just haven't had the cycles yet, but it looks pretty. It looks like it'll be a pretty awesome thing for games. I don't know if that'll be one that people for like that visualization story. I think Scene Kit's kind of like the bar is really low. Although it's a really cool API and powerful, not like it's trivial or anything. I think Scene Kit's something really anyone can dip their toes into. You don't really, if you know OpenGL, there's all kinds of ways to bring things in from it. But if you don't, you can still do a ton. Um, really great. So it's like I, I, I recommend people check out SceneKit, you know, if you want to get into so that kind of stuff. One of the other APIs that I find personally pretty interesting, and I think uh, it's interesting too that it's become a space where a number of players have kind of announced things like Google a while back announced their whole home automation thing, but this time around Apple's announced HomeKit, which is sort of aimed at the same idea. Um, have you looked at that one at, at all a little bit? Yeah, I looked, I, I've looked a tiny bit myself and doing some of the binding stuff, but um, it looks pretty extensible. Tiny bit, and, they, and also as, as well, and, and they had a pretty good tooling story for it too, where you can kind of emulate things. It was quite a. It had some. I, I had some hassles early on sitting in the summer trying to work with it through because of entitlements. Um, there were some things that I couldn't get to set up set up right, and then some other folks wrote some samples, and I ran those. So I haven't looked at that one too much. We'll spend a little more time with HealthKit. The other thing that they have, which I misspeak and confuse the two, but um, not so much with HomeKit. Looks kind of I like home automation, but I've, I've been like kind of kicking around with different flavors of home automation for seems like forever, and then I kind of get them and they don't work right, and I walk away from them and I get something else, and it's a cool toy and it ends up in my basement, and I've never kind of <laughs> had what I want, right? Which is just like this yeah, one thing to exactly. kind of control it all, and then I could code in just kind of in a unified way, and whether this will be that, you know, because it's from Apple would have a chance, but. You know, we'll see. They had a lot of part. They had a lot of launch partners, um, people that already do. You know, yeah. There's a separate program to do accessories and devices, and people make these things. And I saw Apple had a lot of launch partners to use HomeKit from people doing light bulbs. There was another company that's actually local to me here that does some stuff with a, this uh, remote grill technology for barbecuing. It's pretty cool, thermometer or something. And um, you know, there was a whole bunch of them that they announced. So like Apple. Is the kind of company I think that could kind of make this sort of thing ubiquitous. I, do we know if there's any like products on the market at all that from the partners that have been announced? I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, I know there's going to be because they announced all those launch partners with them. And now that iOS eight's out, I'm guessing there would be because they want they announced it. But be yeah, I don't I don't know. If if you went back to WWDC and saw when they announced um, HomeKit, you know, there's a slide up there that has all the ones that were out. And now that iOS eight is out which ones of those are actually have their devices working with it i haven't gone back and checked but you know they will but i don't know i don't know the answer i'm sure i'm, I'm guessing i'll take a guess that there's got to be some so what did, what does HomeKit really provide to developers i mean is it is the idea that it's basically like a, a pass kit for your devices or does it yeah, kind of give you more than that so your app could automate the device. so up to, till now what would you have you'd have a device vendor and the device vendor might have an app and then that app could control the device, <clears throat> whether it be over and above the iPhone. That's kind of been whether an app or they're to make their own device with software in it. But even in the app store, you'd have like a device and an app controlling the device, mm -hmm. like, like the different you know, the things you put on your wrist to like do like health stuff and whatever, um, or, or home automation things, light bulbs, whatever. Some people made their own APIs for people to do things. Um, but now what this does is this gives like a, from the platform, 
iOS, a way that I can say, hey, I'd make something that could be automated with HomeKit. And now you can, the idea of it is now you can go make an app and I can automate this device and it's not my device and I don't have to come in with some kind of partnership. That's the bigger idea from what, from what I can see with it. So I could, I could, and they don't have to make an API. They just kind of work with HomeKit. Um, now, the details of like going from device, if I sat here and tried it, and like, you know, do you get devil in the details kind of thing? It was like, well, how does that, how do they surface what they want to do to you through HomeKit and as a particular device vendor? Yeah, I'm not sure. That's the obvious kind of kind of next question. It's like, so I'll have to, have to try it. I'm actually keen on trying that grill thing just because they're nearby. So it's like, you know, they're, they're near me locally. But um, yeah, I don't know. That, that's, that's the idea, I think, anyway. And do and do you know if Apple tied uh, iBeacons into that at all? Like, are they part of the same ecosystem is, as far as HomeKit goes, or are they two kind of different different ideas? I don't think I, I, well, iBeacons are iBeacons iBeacons are um, in, in in the API are part of core location. Um, if they did anything that you could work with it through HomeKit, I'm not sure. I don't think so. Could be wrong, but I, I know the iBeacon API is part of core location. It just, right. it just works with core location. They added a couple, like I mentioned, James Montemagno had put out a blog post that you have to do, a, you have to request, a, you have to request access to use core location. They did some things with iBeacons. Now you can get the iBeacons running in the background onto the lock screen. The user can see it. They can see it on the lock screen that the beacon's doing something. There's more permissions to it. There's the granularity to allow it to do something in the background or just the foreground. Um, so there's that. Uh, the API of using beacons is still the same kind of idea, region monitoring, whether you're in or out of the beacon region and whether you're getting then, you know, ranging for it as you get like kind of that bullseye closer or further. That's all what was there before from last year. Not think, I'm not, nothing's, nothing's popping in my mind about iBeacons with, with HomeKit. I, I, that doesn't mean I'm like not dead wrong, that there's not something there. <laughs> there's nothing, <laughs> nothing I can remember. Could be though. I'm not, I, don't, I don't see where that matters, but I might be. Someone might say, "Oh no, no, no! He's 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 all wrong. There's something else you can do in there." I know that I know that it's all part of core location, though. I know that I was actually just doing something with it today, so that's how I know that. <laughs> so you mentioned that you have done a little bit more with HealthKit. Um, what's that one all about? Yeah, well, HealthKit is. Um, <clears throat> I deal with HealthKit. It's kind of the same. So again, just like you had the where the home that kind of idea with HomeKit, where it's like now. You have this kind of like system-provided kind of API and way to interact with devices. HealthKit is a system-wide, quote-unquote, I'm holding up my quote fingers, database. <laughs> I, I don't, I even said this on the way, I don't know that it's a database. I don't know what they're doing underneath it. But it's a database, um, you know, logically to store health information. Like, you know, your weight, your height, your nutrition, what you eat, um, you know, how many, how, you know, any, all, there's a ton of metrics, right? Blood pressure, you know, temperature. All kinds of things you could sample, things that don't change, age, whatever it may be. Um, with all different, you know, some of them are length, weight, all different units. And what, what HealthKit does is it saves this on a system-wide basis. A lot of granular security and permissions to allow things where the user can allow one thing to read, write, not the other, this kind of thing. Um, or, you know, not read, but just write. And so this is a good granular security. It looks like it's well thought out. But then there's an application that comes on the iPhone, the health application, that users can then see all the health information. But then there's an API as well that now third-party apps can use to interact with the user permission with different parts of HealthKit. So my app could save a temperature or whatever the metric, what I ate, some food if I went in a grocery store start shopping. I could save, <laughs> the app could save it, get saved in the HealthKit repository, another app could query it. Right, so kind of they can. This is again like so. It's like this kind of apps working together. This kind of theme again, a little bit. So your data kind of gets stored out of your app in a universal way. Almost think of it like a content provider for health in Android speak, except it's not. It's just for health. Get it's a specific API, right? It looks like a pretty alright API. It's pretty clear, pretty pretty straightforward. Um, you know, you you basically you authorize, you you save things, you query things, and. That's that's basically it, um, and then you can then present it, and then now of course devices with those accessories again, like your your Fitbit. You know, I don't know if Fitbit. I, I forget who's using it, but basically your kind of health fitness kind of applications. They can save data back too, and then other apps could visualize that and. 
kind of interesting ways. Think like a sport. Sports apps will be real cool for this kind of thing. Like if you went golfing or you did some kind of thing where you like can kind of track some information, you could you could save it and then make one app to visualize the data, one app to like do something else, save it, report on it, shit, whatever. So it's like it's kind of it's kind of it looks kind of interesting. Could get kind of creepy. <laughs> um, right, but it's it, it, they thought they thought about security. It seems like you know from the AP, you know, they, they seem to be granular. I don't know what the issues are where they have where they had to start pulling some health kit apps. Like I don't know, there was a there was they they, they weren't accepting the health kit apps because there was some kind of an issue. I don't I didn't follow that. I, I was lost, busy. I didn't get all the details. But then they tried to do this patch to iOS, which fixed it. But then it messed up cell phones reception, <laughs> so they had to pull it. And I don't know, I'll get all straightened out. But yeah, that's the idea, and it's, I'm, I think it's a pretty cool idea, although it's like a very sensitive kind of data, as you can imagine, so I don't know. We'll see how people adopt it. A lot of people are hesitant to, I don't want you tracking anything for me, you know. But, you know, <laughs> then again, you know, other people aren't. You know, these Fitbits and Nike Fuel Bands and these things are, are popular to jawbone up. And so now those things can kind of work with a unified data store if they want, and other apps can work with them. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, and I'm a I'm a daily Fitbit user too, so I'm I'm looking forward to more more quantified things around that. I used the Jawbone one for a while, and um, I liked it. Um, I stopped using it, but not because I didn't like it. It was just kind of one of those things where it was like kind of novelty, and um, I just had to sync it and plug it in. I had the older one, so it's mm. like maybe now with this thing though, if it's like if there was another app that could do they could capture the data, but there's another app that did some kind of cool thing with it, whatever that may be, um, that um. That might like you know if I was playing a sport if like I was doing something and track some data while I was doing that support sport but it didn't really do a good job of visualizing it but some other app did an awesome job of visualizing the data or maybe like gave me coupons or something for like you know getting better sneakers <laughs> or something yeah, I don't know but like it, maybe that would um it could be me you know we'll see how it all shakes out but I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. So, I mean, we kind of said it at the top where there's just there's an insane amount of new APIs and new stuff to talk about. And, and somehow, like at this point, over an hour has flown by. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, so we might need to end up doing follow-up episodes or to dig into specific topics. But to kind of, I mean, just to kind of wrap things up, uh, I mean, do you have any kind of closing thoughts or, you know, anything to, to look out for for developers or in particular for Xamarin users wanting to get started on iOS 8? Yeah, I think I think the big... It was like we we roll back to that a, a big thing. There's two things. Um, one, I'm, I'll, I'll, people that follow us, you'll see. I'll have some kind of a blog post. I'll, hopefully, not too long about moving all these about just a potpourri of a variety of little items. I'm just collecting some things and some thoughts on how to move forward. So it's just like li a lot of little things on how to move existing apps forward. Um, not so much talking just about APIs, but that's just kind of just a bigger theme. That's gonna be on the lookout for that. Um, the beyond that. And, you know, kind of an Uber topic, but the this business about the unified API is something to to think about. You know, like I said, um, if you go and you use our unified API, you'll get the API, you'll get the 64-bit support. You could use it, but you got to think about whether you want the. You know, if you're not a tooling type developer, you know, what kind of developer are you? Do you like working with designers? You know, you already have a 32-bit code base. You can still you know, you're not too keen on migrating yet, or it's you can't take that project on right now. It's too big of a project. You know, thinking about like you know whether you want to go to the unified API or not, just being a little thoughtful of that right now, as as uh, is 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 probably something to watch out for. Just because you will run into little things with tooling. For, for example, um, give a practical example. If you you, you want to do um, use our designer, there's limited designer support. Won't go into detail with the with the unified API right now. Whereas um, if you do it on code, you'll be alright. So if you're going to use the unified API, I'd recommend people probably try to you know just do everything in code if you're going to unified API. But if you don't have to go to the unified API and you want to use a designer and you don't see a big reason, then maybe you wouldn't and stay on 32-bit. You know, so that's like that. Just just be be cognizant that like you might not get all the tooling just yet um, with that. That's from a Xamarin. That's something specific to Xamarin. Um, yeah, but everything seems to be, you know, um, um, you know, we got all the APIs supported right now. So it's like, you know, the, uh, uh, geez, you know, <laughs> yeah, that, that, I think that's, I think that's the, really the, the biggest thing, you know, and, and Miguel mentioned it was, it was extensions. There's a couple other little things, you know, you might need 64, you need to include 64 bit in, 
But that's the big one, thinking about whether you need 64-bit or not right now. I'd, I'd, if you could, though, try to move forward if you can. I think you'll, just my own personal guidance, I think, I think you'll be better off in the long run. But, you know, that, there's always a lot of factors on whether you can or not. You know, but definitely if you don't have a plan. Because the day is going to come where you just, just you know it, right? The day is going to come, whether it's next year, year after, whatever it is, where your 32 app, this Apple's going to say that, you know, we're not supporting, you know, we're only supporting, um, you know, this architecture. And um, you're going to be forced. And it's like, you know, at least think about it, like planning at least going forward, you know, now is the time. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see more of that next year. I'd be surprised to see them go force it on people next year. But, you know, you don't know. So definitely start planning. Even if you're going to stay 32-bit now and you have to continue work on that because it's like you can't just drop your whole code base. Start come up be, at least begin coming up with a plan moving forward for it. You know, even if you're not going to go to it now, that's my guy, my my personal advice. Hmm. Makes sense, and uh, I I think that makes for a good spot to wrap up before we you know pile on a, another hour before we know it. But uh, thanks so much for for coming back on the show again. It was great to have you on. Thanks, guys. All right, and and thanks to everyone for for listening again, and we'll see you next time on Gone Mobile. Mm-hmm.